post-fight thoughts for PBC on FS1. Dun dun dun! Hey guys, Fight Junkie. I just wanted to jump in here really quick. It's not going to be super long, but I just wanted to touch on the PBC card that was on FS1. Um, the first fight of the night, we had um, Jamonte Clark and Jelson Rosario. Rosario opened at plus 300. Public bet him big. By fight time, he was plus 180. Clark, who was the favorite going in, opened at a whopping 420, closed at 220. So for a small fight, a small card, that's a lot of money. Like I said, there's ways that books can manipulate lines. So it's not necessarily that hundreds of thousands of dollars was coming in on Rosario. But books are able to manipulate the lines and move them what I call artificially. Depending if they see a lot of money coming, they will start moving that line more and more and more with less and less money. But anyway, the money came in on Rosario and the public was right. He pretty much beat the crap out of Clark. The one thing I can say for Clark, who was undefeated at the time, was he was tough, man. He took a beating for most of the fight. In fact, the announcers were pretty much going bonkers about how he's going to get permanently damaged and the fight should be shot, uh, stopped. So that was interesting to hear. Um, he did take a lot of punches, but I'm kind of the organic guy. I like to see the fights, you know, pretty much play out how they're going to play out. And he took his beating like a man and he went the distance. Now, obviously, he can't keep doing that if he wants uh, longevity in his career. He has to avoid some of those shots, get his defense on point, and stop getting hit so much. This is just the first loss. But physically, if you want to continue, you can learn, you can improve. You've got to be able to improve that defense because your body will quit long before your mind does. Your mind will see it. It'll want to do it. The body will say, nope, can't do it. So that was the first fight. Good fight. Took a beating. Pretty lopsided. A nice underdog win. Uh, some of the people online were telling me on my social media pages that they got in 290, 280. That's good. They hit it early. I mentioned that in my UFC predictions podcast that generally when the lines come out, if you've done your work, you do your capping, uh, it's accurate, then you pull the trigger. Weight issues and stuff like that can throw a kink into the capping. But generally, if you know your fighters and they don't have trouble weight, and I'll go into this more in detail on a different podcast, um, you go ahead and pull the trigger. And those people that did that got a much better line. Had we bet him today or even yesterday, we're looking at plus 200, 180, which is still nice. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is you're trying to always maximize the payout. And those people that got in early did that with a 3 to 1, a 290, a 280. So almost a 100 point difference if you jumped in early when the line came out. The uh, co main event was uh, Maciel and Willie Monroe Jr. Javier Maciel and Willie Monroe, Monroe Jr. Um, Willie's a known commodity. He actually fought Triple G. Um, he's a slickster, he's a boxer. And so going in, this was a lopsided line. He opened at minus 900, but the public just pounded him at 1650. So you're already betting a, a high favorite, and they had so much confidence in him, they bet him to 1650. Um, Maciel closed at 1075, 
which I mean for a late notice guy, it's high, but he actually could have been even higher. So I can see why people liked Monroe at the minus 900. Over nine and a half rounds was minus 425. So that pretty much told you uh, how they expected that to play out. It opened at 420 and it only climbed five. So not a lot of action on that. Um, it is a very high line for a 10 round fight, but that's how the books cap that. Um, Marcel by decision was 2400. Monroe by decision was minus 317. Maciel inside was 1175. And Monroe inside was 385. So obviously we had the over favored. We had Monroe favored. And that's exactly how it went. Actually, I believe Monroe could have got Maciel out of there if he had done a little more body work. But the problem with Monroe is he's skilled. But mentally he just doesn't go into that next level gear. He just doesn't turn it up. So he had an overmatched foe with him, but he just didn't put his foot on the gas just a little bit more. And I think he would have got him out of there. But as far as the books go, they set the line right. Everybody who bet this got got it right. You know, if you took what looked like on paper was an obvious uh, Monroe decision, then you were on the right side. The main event was Jamal James and Mahorny Montes. I hope I'm saying his right his name right. Mahorny Montes. Uh, James was minus eighteen fifty and Montes eleven seventy five. Over eight and a half rounds was minus two seventy five. Montes decision was plus nineteen. James decision minus two hundred. James inside two thirty eight. And Montes inside 1150. So again, another lopsided line. Books were expecting a James decision. Did they get it right? No, totally wrong on this one. Nothing that the books predicted came in. And this is what I'm talking about when you're just relying on sh straight line numbers like Minus 400, minus 500, minus 275, minus 3. As it's always going to come in, that's not how it works. So the over 8.5 was minus 275. So we're thinking this one's going to come, right? It's going to go over. Books even opened at 245. So it got a little bit of money, but not crazy money. So the books said this one's going over. It went two rounds. Body shot KO in the second. So James inside actually cashed at plus 238. Everybody who bet James by decision lost at minus 200. Do you see how, do you see that big difference there between the two fights? So that could have easily happened with Willie Monroe. Same idea. Monroe by decision minus 317. So the people who laid that won this time. But that's what I'm saying. Like you've got to make sure when you're touching these type of lines that you're right that you're accurate because that can take a toll on your bankroll especially over time so you've got to don't be afraid what i'm telling you is don't be afraid to touch dogs don't be afraid to touch props on favorites that are plus money don't be afraid to touch props on favorites that the books have set a line and maybe the public moves it one way or the other. There's a lot that goes into it, but basically what happens is you need to be able to use your skills to accurately cap it and then go with that. You don't want to look at the lines and come to a conclusion before you've already capped a fight. And at the same time, you don't want to cap a fight and then look at the lines and have the lines change your mind because the public isn't always right and the book isn't always right. 
So you've got to go with what you've done, your research, your skills, your experience, and you've got to go with that. Perfect example. One of the one of my um, hardcore regulars that I talk to all the time who's been around forever with me was on social media. And before the fight, he said he had liked the under and the Maciel fight, uh, Willie Monroe. I said, oh, I can see what you're talking about. He came in on late notice. He was overmatched, outclassed. It's possible, but I said, Willie doesn't really fight that way. We got in a conversation about, you know, Willie doesn't fight that way. He pretty much just touches, touches, happy to go 10 rounds. He doesn't have the extra gear, blah, 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 blah. And that's what ultimately happened. But I can understand where he was coming from because Monroe was facing an overmatched guy on late notice. And truthfully, if I'm being honest, I think he could have got him out of there. So the guy I was talking to should have had no problem betting that under nine and a half and getting that crazy 340, 350 number because he only needed Monroe to step on the gas a little bit more. And I'm telling you, he would have got him out of there with a body shot. So those are the things. You can't be afraid to go with what you've capped. So if he capped that as this guy's a late notice, he's not skilled, Monroe's so much better, face better world champions, better competition, all Monroe has to do is put it together. Then that was accurate. What fell apart? What well, was Monroe? Monroe just didn't do enough. He dominated. He outclassed him. Everything was right. If you cap that just that exact same way, everything was right. The only thing that was wrong was Monroe not putting his foot on the gas just a little bit more. I'm not even talking a lot. So he wasn't off by a lot. But in the end, the result is the only thing that matters, right? But that's what I'm saying for future reference when you're capping. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If your capping suggests that a large underdog line could hit, then go ahead, play it. Sometimes you don't play it as big as you want to. Sometimes you don't play it as big as you would a different line. But whether it's throwaway money or it's, okay, this is what I have, you know, budgeted for this fight and this is what I'm going to bet it on, then bet it. You've got to stay true because you don't want to be the one then, oh, yeah, I picked that, but I didn't bet it because it was this line or the public moved it this way or the book opened it. You can't do that. Can't second guess. You just got to go with it, roll with it. You win some, you lose some. You hope your experience and as you get better and better, your skill leads to more wins than it does losses. That's basically how that works. Now, the last thing I want to touch on was a crazy, crazy fight. Well, you can't even call it a fight. Was F.A. Ajabe. This, uh, this was a fight that didn't even have a line. I didn't even see a line on this. The, the fight came up and I'm looking like, where's the line for this? His opponent was Curtis Harper. There was no line. So it was just one of those fill-in fights. He was 5-0 uh, and o coming in. And his opponent was 13-5 and five coming in. So you think, all right, heavyweight fight. You know, we're going we're gonna to see a good match here. So they come into the ring. The announcer announces him. The referee calls him to the center of the ring. Both guys go up. They touch gloves. He's telling them, you know, make sure you follow the rules and standard stuff. They go back to their corners. The ref's looking at the timekeeper and the judges, making sure everybody's ready. The bell rings, 
And Curtis Harper turns around and walks out of the ring. Up the ramp, back into the locker room, out of sight. Absurd. I mean, everybody was stunned. The referee was stunned. He's looking at this guy like, what the hell is going on? F.A. was like, what? I mean, you can see it on his face like, what? Like, is this a joke? I even tweeted out like, what is this, WWE? You know, is this a skit? What is going on? Nobody had any clue. Come to find out after, supposedly, the uh, PBC said that he was complaining about his money, which I don't even know how that makes sense. That's a lame excuse. You sign the contract. You know exactly how many rounds you're fighting. You know exactly how much you're getting paid. So I have no idea what this dude is talking about. But he had some shitting in his pants going on when he got into that ring. I, I posted this on Twitter. It really reminded me of the breakdown that Oliver McCall had against Lennox Lewis in the second fight. If you youngins out there don't know what I'm talking about, go to my Twitter page, at FightJunkie.com, at FightJunkie.com. And I posted the video of when Oliver McCall had a mental breakdown in his second fight with Lennox Lewis. He had won the first fight in a big upset, not Lennox out. And the second fight... He just had a mental breakdown. He dropped his hands and Lennox was just teeing off on him. He was walking around the ring all crazy. And then the referee comes in, the corners come in, and he's sitting there crying in the ring and ultimately quit like he was unfit to continue. That was by far one of the weirdest things. Up there with the Mike Tyson ear bite. But as far as like mental breakdowns where... The guy just like goes insane for a second. I got to rate, rate that Lennox Lewis fight one. But this one was up there. There's very few times in my lifetime where I've watched fights and something like this happens. So I thought that was really interesting. And to be honest with you, it's the reason I did this little uh, post-fight take. Because the PBC fights were eh. I mean, the main event ended quick. It was a nice body shot. That can happen. That's another thing I always tell people. And if you're potential fighters out there, you do not need massive power to score knockouts. You just got to have technique and be able to go to the body. So many people neglect that, especially in MMA. But these body shots will cripple you. I don't care how good your chin is. I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how nice your abs look. If that body shot lands in the right spot, we're not just talking liver either. If it lands in the right spot, boom, good night. And that's what happened in the main event. But overall, the card was, you know, the Monroe fight was pretty much a stinker, but that's what you get with Willie. The The main event, like I said, was cool. Two rounds, boom, get out of there. But it was that. You fill in, walk out, heavyweight fight. I was like, wow, that's the definition of a walkout. Like <laughs> the guy just literally walked out of the ring. So if you didn't get a chance to see it, again, Fight Junkie Com. I have the um, footage of the guy walking out of the ring as well as that Lennox Lewis fight I mentioned. So go ahead and check that out. That's it for this episode of Fight Junkie. I'll sock it to you tomorrow, baby. Fight Junkie out.